Now, that word ignorant there just means unlearned. Now, if you're unlearned concerning the way the devil operates, he's going to be able to take advantage of you. Anybody that studies war will tell you that you must know and understand your enemy before you can defeat him. And it's sad to say that most Christians I've met over the many years are totally and completely ignorant of how the devil operates and how he works. Now, if you've attended here any length of time, you'll know that we spend very little time really talking about the devil. We talk about God and we run with God. And when the devil shows up, we live a life submitted to God, we resist the devil and he flees. But from time to time, you do need to talk about the devil's devices so that we're not ignorant of them, so that we won't be taken advantage of. Now, one of the main devices that the devil uses, we'll see it in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. Revelation 12 verse 9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, Satan, who... Now, what's that next word? Who deceives. You ought to underline that or highlight that or note that somehow if you can. Who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. One of the devil's main devices that he uses is deception. You've got to understand that. The devil is a deceiver. Now... The word deception means this, uh, by underhanded means, causing someone to believe something that is not true. In other words, believing a lie. First of all, you need to realize the devil is underhanded. He's underhanded. You know what I, what I mean by underhanded? He, he, he's a miserable, miserable being. You need to understand that. He's underhanded and he goes about trying to get people to believe lies. Trying to mislead people, lead them astray. You know the Bible says you can believe a lie and be condemned. The Bible says that. That it's possible to believe a lie and be condemned. There's a lot of people that think that because they belong to the local church, because their name is on the roll of the church, that they're going to heaven. That's deception. Do you understand that? See, the devil would love for you to believe that, that for example, you can be good enough in and of yourself to make heaven, apart from faith in Christ Jesus. Have you realized this, that the world that we live in and here in the United States and throughout the world, it's full of deception, isn't it? I mean, you can look at the television and, and, the, and the commercials, full of deception. Have you ever heard one of those commercials on the radio where they, they tell you everything they're going to do for you and then at the end they start talking real fast? You know how many knows what I'm talking about? They talk real fast. You know what they just told you? They just told you that everything they just told you is, is deception. It doesn't, what they just told you before they start talking real fast doesn't mean, it doesn't mean what they really said. I know 
for example, uh, a friend of mine is a car dealer, and he says that they run ads. Their, their dealership, he says, almost all the car dealers, and I know there's some honest ones out there, but he says that uh, they run ads all the time to try to bait you to get you to come in, and they'll put a deal on one car just so that they can be somewhat truthful in their ad. But then when you get there, what they advertise really isn't what it seemed like it was. How many of you have ever, you started up with like satellite television? And how many have seen that commercial where, you know, Bill, she's, it's really a great commercial. She, this lady said she just signed up with a certain satellite company and, and she got her bill and the first bill and then there's this guy there named Bill and he looks just, he looks like a model. And she said after six months, my bill didn't look so good anymore and then they got a picture of him and he's gained a lot of weight and, you know, lost some hair or whatever. I can talk about losing hair, you know. And then, and then finally by a year later she said, you know, my bill really doesn't look good at all now, you know, and, and, and he, you know, he's just looking horrible, you know. How many seen that commercial? Have you ever gotten a, your first bill and it looks good and six months later, a year later, what they sold you isn't quite what it seemed at first? The world's full of that. The United States is full of that. And you need to realize that churches, a lot of churches, not all of them, a lot of them are full of deception. You need to realize that. Now, the thing that cost Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and the thing that's Affected us to this day. Notice 1 Timothy 2.14. 1 Timothy 2.14. Deception is probably the devil's number one tool. That he uses to hurt mankind. Look at this. 1 Timothy 2.14. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was what? She was deceived. Fell into transgression. Was 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 Eve deceived? Now, let's see how the devil worked on her. Go to Genesis 3, 1 through 6. It's one of the reasons I'm teaching this class coming up on Wednesday evenings for the next four Wednesday evenings on Bible basics, how to understand the Bible. If you don't understand the Bible... You are a sitting duck. You know what I mean when I say a sitting duck? You're a sitting duck for the devil to come take advantage of you. I'm going to teach you over the next four Wednesday nights how to understand the Bible, how to study the Bible, how to, how to dig into the Bible beyond reading it. You know, there's reading the Bible and then there's studying the Bible. I'm going to teach you how to study the Bible so that you can understand what God's really saying to you. Uh, in his holy written words, so that you won't be deceived. If you don't know the truth, the Bible is the truth. Jesus said, thy word is truth. If you don't know the truth, guess what? You are set up to be what? Deceived. Now, notice how the devil worked on Eve. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Now, the serpent, of course, Satan was influencing the serpent, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Remember, God had told Adam, of all the trees of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you'll not eat of it, for in the day you eat thereof you shall surely what? Die. And so that was the commandment that God gave. And then notice how the, the serpent, influenced by the devil, came to Eve and said, Has God indeed said? 
The King James puts it this way. Yea, hath God said. I'll put it in my own words. It's like the, the, the serpent came and said, did God really, did he really say that? Did, did he really say that? Is that really what he said? How many of you know God says what he means and means what he says? And the way the devil will work on you is no different than the way he worked on Eve. He'll come to you through thoughts and say, did God really say that? Is that really what he's saying? And if you don't know the word of God, you're going to be in a position where you can be deceived, believe a lie, and be condemned. Did you hear me? And then he says... Has, did God really say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Well, he didn't say anything to my knowledge about not touching it, but I don't make a big deal about that because if, you're, if you don't touch it, guess what? You're not going to eat it. So let's don't get hung up there. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. What did God say? You would die. What did the serpent say? You shall not surely die. Now, who are you going to believe? God or the devil? I believe God. When the devil comes... You need to realize this about him. He will, he never typically comes and just tells an outright lie. What he does is he will usually tell you the truth mixed with lies. The devil. Half truths. Sleight of hand. Uh, The devil would never counterfeit a $3 bill. He's smarter than that. You need to realize the devil, though he's crazy, he is smart. And he's not going to counterfeit a $3 bill. Why is that? There ain't none. But he'll counterfeit the 5 or the 10. You understand that? And, and so the devil is a counterfeiter. And he'll come to you and he'll tell you. A lot of times he'll tell you the truth, but it's out of context. We're going to talk about that in the class that I'll be teaching about context. You've got to keep scriptures in context. Or you can take, if you take a scripture out of context, you can, you know, you can make the Bible say anything that you want it to say. Do, do you understand that? The Bible says Judas went out and hung himself in one verse. And then there's another verse that Jesus said concerning a whole different subject. He said, go and do likewise. Now, what if you took those two verses, Judas went out and hung himself And then you take this verse, Jesus said, go out and do likewise. If you put those two verses together out of context, you could make it say, well, Judas went out and hung himself and Jesus said, go and do the same thing. Did you hear me? So you got to be careful with the scripture that you don't take it out of context or you can preach, preach doctrines that aren't right. They become doctrines of devils. So the devil typically will come, see, see the, 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 what the devil will do, if you're going to poison a dog, you don't just put a bunch of poison out there in a bowl. The dog's not going to come eat it. What do you do? You get you a nice steak, 
or some real good dog food. You put it in a bowl and then what do you do? You mix in a little poison. And that's how you would kill, kill an animal. That's the kind of a individual the devil is. The, the devil is the kind of person that, you know how we had donuts after the service last Sunday? He's the kind of person that'll take Krispy Kreme donuts, put them out there for all of us to eat, and he'll mix them with a little bit of poison. And he'll stand there and watch you, he'll laugh while you're, while you die right in front of him. Did you understand that? Do you hear that? The devil's, uh, I'm just trying to tell you what kind of an individual he is. He, he's the kind of person that'll, that'll hand you a real beautiful, red, juicy looking apple. But before he handed it to you, he put a razor blade on the inside of it. Now that's what we're dealing with. And if you don't know the word of God, I tell you what, and I've watched Christians do this for years. The devil will serve them up an apple. And I don't know if it was an apple that Eve chunked into or not, but it was a piece of fruit. And there was a razor blade, so to speak, on the inside of it, wasn't there? You'll not surely die. Well, think about it. When Adam and Eve, Eve ate, she gave it to her husband that was right there with her. And that's what really made it horrible because he was right there with her. And he wasn't deceived. And he committed high treason against the Lord. Do you understand that? Adam did. But Eve was deceived. And if you think about it, when, and he said, the devil said there in verse 4, you'll not surely die. Well, think about it. There's death. Look. There's spiritual death, which is to be cut off from the life of God. There's physical death, it's when your spirit leaves your body. And there's eternal death, that's eternity in the lake of fire. Well, when she bit into that fruit, physically she didn't die. That didn't happen for hundreds of years. But spiritually she did And so it was a half-truth. I mean, it was totally contradictory to what God said, but yet it was a half-truth. And how many of you know a half-truth equals a whole lie, doesn't it? And you need to realize the devil is filled with half-truths. Half-truths. You shall not surely die. And then verse 5, For God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. One thing the devil will come with thoughts and he'll say, well, he'll say this. He'll say, God doesn't want you to do such and such because he's just trying to keep you from having fun. You need to know that's how the devil operates. There'll be something your flesh wants to do. God knows that if you do it, it'll ultimately kill you. How many of you know when you sin? The Bible says that sin is deceitful. It'll deceive you. And... and, and, if, when, when somebody sins, the wages of sin is what? Death. Typically, when, when you sin, that death doesn't come right away. I don't have this in my notes, but the book of James says every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. How many of you know there's different things that draw on different people? Some people it's alcohol, some people it's drugs, some people it's pornography, some people it's gossip, and some people it's this, that, or the other. But, but, and the devil knows, he, he, he's, he's smart, but he's, he's crazy, but he's smart. You'd have to be crazy to think you could overthrow God. 
but he's, he's, he's very smart. And he, 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 he'll watch. The devil's the kind of an individual that he'll hang around in the bushes and he'll watch you. And he can, he can detect in the process of time where your weakness is. And then he'll come and he'll hit you in that area when you're weak. And he'll start talking to you through thoughts. God doesn't want you to do that because he doesn't want you to have any fun. How many of you know God's not trying to take fun away from you? But what happens is, is you go ahead and you commit that sin and nothing happens. Looks like you got away with it. How many of you know you never get away with sin? And then you do it again, do it again, do it again, and nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. And after a while, sin will deceive you, and you'll be deep into something before you realize that you're bound by it, you're addicted to it. And the wages of sin is what? Death. And the book of James says every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then it says when sin has conceived, it brings forth, or when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. That's the process. The book of James, it's not in my notes, but let's go through it again. Every man is, is tempted when he's enticed and he's drawn away of his own lust. And then when lust conceives, it brings forth sin. And sin when it is finished, see, sin when it is finished. When you commit sin right at the time you're committing it, nothing typically happens that's bad. But down the road, sin when it is finished brings forth what? Death. And that's why sin is so deceitful because you see... As you're committing it, a lot of times that payment for it doesn't come right away. Did you get what I just said? And so the devil will come to you and he'll give you a bunch of half-truths and he'll say, well, God's just trying to keep you from having a good time. He's trying to keep you from having fun and all of this stuff. And if you don't know the Word of God, see, God doesn't want you to sin, not because he's trying to keep you from having fun. He doesn't want you to ultimately be destroyed. Did you hear me? Can you say amen to that? You'll not surely die for God. See verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's just, that's how the devil tempted her. That's how he, he enticed her. And he lied to her, a bunch of half-truths. And, and then in verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food... It was pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise. She took of the fruit and what? Ate. And she gave to her husband and he ate. And when they bit into that, it's cost you and me. Every time a loved one dies, think back to that. When she bit. Why did she bite? Because she was. She was what? Deceived. He misled her. The devil misled her. Some 4,000 years later. The devil tempted Jesus. In these same areas. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. And if you go in, and I'm not going to take the time, but if you go in and you read the temptations where the devil hit Jesus, he hit him in these areas, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin.
And if you go in and you look at what the devil was saying to Jesus, what the devil did is he he essentially quoted the word on a couple of occasions to Jesus and he twisted it just a little bit. And if Jesus had not known the word of God, because how did Jesus respond to the devil on all occasions? He said, it is written. Had Jesus not known the word of God, he would have failed. Do you hear me? And if we don't know the word of God, we're going to fail. The devil twisted things. That's really what my class is all about these next four Wednesday nights. It's it's going to show you from the Word of God how to study it so that the devil can't come in and twist. The devil tried to get Jesus to commit suicide. Took him up on the temple. Remember that? Said, throw yourself off. And then he quoted parts of the 91st Psalm to him. Remember that? He'll give his angels charge over you to bury you up and all that. Jesus, because he knew the word of God, was able to see through it, and he quoted, he quoted the word back to him, and as a result, Jesus never sinned. Can you say amen? amen. Don't ever forget this. The devil is a liar. Let, let's say that. Say, the devil, the devil is a liar. liar. One more time. The devil, the devil is a liar. liar. Jesus said he's a liar and the father of it. Don't ever forget that. You know, if you go to Matthew, the 24th chapter, I just want to look at a couple of verses. Jesus speaking in the context of the end times. And, and notice James, I'm sorry, Matthew, keep saying James. Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one, what, deceives you. Verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will what? Deceive a few? And then in verse 11, he says, then many false prophets will rise up and what? Deceive many or a few? Many. And then verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to what? To deceive, if possible, even the elect. In the context of the end days here, he's talking about deception. And this even goes into the tribulation. I realize that, but that seven-year tribulation. But the point is, is that we have to be on our guard for what? Deception. Deception. First Timothy four one. Let's go over there and see what the Apostle Paul had to say about this. Now the Spirit expressly says, in other words, the Holy Ghost is really emphasizing this. That's why Paul says it this way. The Spirit expressly says. That in the latter times, I believe we're living in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. It's talking about walking away from Jesus here. Giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of 
demons. This is not just talking about somebody getting mad at the pastor and leaving the first Baptist church and going to the second Baptist church. Or the first charismatic church and going to the second charismatic church. This is talking about people walking away from Jesus. Didn't talk about departing from the local church. It said departing from the what? From the faith. Why? They gave heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I don't have this in my notes, but I think we need to read. I think it's 2 Timothy 4.3 in the Amplified. Do you think we could put that up there? 2 Timothy 4.3 in the Amplified. I think that's it. 2 Timothy 4.3 in the Amplified. That's it. For the time is coming. When people will not tolerate or endure sound and wholesome instruction. I think we're there. At least here in the United States for the most part. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying... They, these people, will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the what? The what? The errors that they hold. We need to be on guard for deception. And it's getting worse. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3.3. 2 Timothy 3.3, the Apostle Paul, writing under the direction of the Holy Spirit here, so the Holy Spirit said, but evil men and what? Did Jesus ever talk about a wolf in, wolf in sheep's clothing? Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. What's that next word? Are we in 2 Timothy 3.13? I'm sorry. For evil men and imposters will grow. Did I say 3.3 or 3.13? Oh, um, do you forgive me? The right thing was on the screen because Ed's sharper than me. He's, he's on the ball back there. Evil men and, and, and imposters will grow worse and worse. And what's the next word? Deceiving, Deceiving and being deceived. There's so much in the Bible about deception. If you look into the Old Testament, there was a lot of deception going on in the Old Testament. You can read about the prophets in the Old Testament, the false prophets. Deceiving, deceiving, deceiving the people. One of the ways I know in the time of Jeremiah, who was a prophet of God, there, was, there were these false prophets that rose up and they kept telling the people what they wanted to hear. Jeremiah stood up and said, Israel is going into bondage for 70 years. And there was another, because people didn't like that, so there's another prophet rose up and said, no, 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 no. Thus saith the Lord, it's only two years. And guess what? The king liked that. Jeremiah wound up, the man of God wound up in the dungeon. Isn't that something? I said, isn't that something? 
And Jeremiah even said, I wish you were, he said to that false prophet, I wish you were right. I wish it was only two years. But I can only say what the Holy Ghost is saying. And, and, and it's, it's 70 years. How many of you know it was 70 years? You really need to be watchful of, of, of people that stand behind the holy desk here and tell you always what you want to hear. Be real watchful of people that are always, they're all positive all the time, 100% of the time. So I think I'm a pretty positive person. I like to think that I am. But you know what? As you teach the Word of God, there's a lot of encouraging things. There's a lot of uplifting things. And, 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 and there's no question about that. And we do our best to encourage you with the Word of God and lift you up and build you up. Had one lady say to me one time, she looked me right in the eyes and she said, I don't, because I had preached a message that was, you know, uh, along these lines, like what I'm talking about today. She said, I don't ever want to hear a message like that. She said, I want to be encouraged every time I come to church, all positive all the time. And I said, dear, dear ma'am, I said, I can't be a man of God and do that. Did you hear me? Be watchful of ministers that are always telling you 100% positive 100% of the time. I won't say they're sent from the devil, but I can say this. They're certainly not sent from the presence of God. Because a man of God will have a message of blessing in his mouth, but also a message of repentance. And usually it's a message of repentance first, and then the blessing follows the repentance. Did you hear what I just said? Imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Look at 2 Corinthians 11.13. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians 11.13. Always be very thankful when who's ever doing the preaching is making you look up a lot of scriptures. Always be thankful of that. Did you hear what I just said? I said, did you hear what I just said? Now, sometimes I'll come in here to give you one verse and I'll just preach for 30, 30, 40 minutes on one verse. There's nothing wrong with that. But week in, week out, week in, week out. How many of you know we need scripture? We need scripture after scripture after scripture. Is that right? Is that right? Is that right? Second Corinthians 11, 13. Second Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such are what? False apostles. What's that next word? Deceitful workers, transforming themselves into. Wow. Into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Have you ever heard any of these after near death experiences? Anybody ever hear any of those on the television or radio? And I have. And I look, I, I, I believe in those things. I, I certainly do. No question about it. Sometimes Christians will, will die, die, you know, and, and they'll get to come back into their body. And, and when they die, they'll go up and they'll, they've seen heaven. I believe that. I, no problem with that. But where I have a problem is, is, is I've seen these different testimonies where the guy will come back or the lady will come back from having that after, you know, near-death experience. And, and they'll come back and they'll say, I saw this beautiful light. Beautiful light. And then they'll question them. And they'll say, do you believe on the Lord Jesus? And no. Do you have any, do you trust in, 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 do you believe in God? No. But yet they saw that beautiful light. The devil is all about deception. And there's people that will listen to that kind of a testimony and say, well, that person wasn't even a believer. And they died and they saw this beautiful light. What does the Bible say? No wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into what? 
Angel of light. Remember, the devil is all about smoke and mirrors. You know what I mean by that? Sleight of hand. You have to know the word of God, dear friends. Or you're going to get tripped up. And you can believe a lie, the Bible said, as I said earlier, and be condemned. It's very clear. And then look at verse 15. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Don't ever forget what I'm about to tell you right now. Anytime you hear anything come across the pulpit, whether it's me or any other minister, I don't care who it is. You don't ever accept what comes across the pulpit unless you line it up with the Word of God, the Bible. And if it doesn't line up with the Bible, you stick with the Bible, not what I said or any other minister said. Can you say amen? Amen. There's too many Christians that I've met over the years. Have you ever seen the little little baby birds that have just been born? They've just hatched out of their eggs and they're sitting there in their nest. And they're they got their mouth open, their eyes shut, and they're... How many knows what I'm talking about? And they're, they're expecting their mama to come along and give them a worm or something, you know, and, and they're going to eat whatever their mama brings them, you know? Okay? But Christians, a lot of times, are just the same way. And they're just like those little baby birds, and they're just going to eat anything that comes along. Just if, if the, whoever's standing behind the pulpit, well, they're on the radio, so they must be right. No, most of the radio or television ministries that I've listened to, I've had to turn them off over the years, most of them. I said most of them. Can you say amen? You've got to be very careful. Well, they're on television, so they must be right. No, if they're on television, they're likely goofed up. There's just a few of them on television, preachers now, that, that I have any confidence in. Did you hear what I just said? Why do you say that, Pastor Terry? Because I've weighed what they've said against the Word of God, and it doesn't match up with the Word of God. So I don't care if it's me, or I don't care who it is that's preaching to you. You must take the Word of God, line up what they're saying with the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God... Throw out what the preacher said and listen to the Word of God, the Bible. Can you say amen? amen? I don't want people that attend this church to be sitting there just going to just take hook, line, and sinker anything a preacher says like those little baby birds. Did you hear me? I want you to be people of the Word, people that know the Word of God. I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to believe a lie and be condemned. Did you hear me? I love you. I care for you. All right? Look at 2 Peter 3.15. Quickly, this is in the New Living Translation. And remember the Lord's patience. And remember, this is 2 Peter 3.15, New Living Translation. And remember, 2 Peter 3.15. Do I have that right? All right. New Living Translation. And remember, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul. Now, this is Peter Commenting on Paul. And he says, this is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. Now, Peter said that about, about Paul's writings. Some of the things Paul wrote, wrote hard to understand. And I found that to be the case. That's why you've got to study. Paul was a very brilliant scholar. 
But notice what he says. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different. One of the things they did is Paul preached the message of grace and they twisted his message to say, well, if you're saved by grace, you can go on and sin and live however you want. That's not what Paul was teaching. In fact, he rebuked that and he said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then he said, certainly not. But see, they were twisting Paul's writings. And then he says, just as they do with the other parts of scriptures, which will result in their own destruction. Let me ask you a question. Will there be ministers that stand behind the holy pulpit and twist scripture to try to deceive you? Yes. I just can't believe that, Pastor Terry. We've just been reading about it for the last 30 minutes. Why are you teaching this today, Pastor? Because I don't want you to be taken advantage of. Look at Ephesians 4.14. King James Version here. I just like the way this reads in the King James. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And much we could say about that. By the slight of men, that has to do with deceit, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to what? To what? Do you mean that there's, there, there's false imposter preachers out there that are just laying in the bushes waiting to try to deceive you? Yes. What is your only means of protection? Knowing the Word of God. Having a working knowledge of the Word of God. And the Bible repeats itself again and again saying, Take heed that no one deceive you. Now I want to conclude this message By showing you perhaps the main way that people are deceived. And we'll have to go to Revelation 20 to do it. I think you'll find this interesting. Go to Revelation 20 verse 1. And the Apostle John writing here and he says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. Riding under the direction of the Spirit of God. I saw an angel coming down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain was in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, you know, Satan, and bound him for how long? A thousand years. Now, this is yet to happen. This is out in our future. Because I believe there's going to be a rapture of the church. There's going to be a seven-year tribulation period. And then, at the end of that tribulation period, the devil's going to be locked away for a thousand years. Okay, now that's what this is talking about. Verse 3, and he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should what? Deceive the nations no more. What is the devil doing right now? He's going around deceiving the nations. Is that correct? But during the millennium, he's going to be locked away for a thousand years. Millennium means a thousand. So a thousand years, he's going to be locked away so that he should deceive the nations no more. Till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And you can see then at the end of the thousand years, he's going to be released for a little while. I wonder what he's going to do when he's released for a little while. Look at verse 7. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to 
to deceive, you see, that's his, I think that's his number one tool, deception. To go out to deceive the nations which were in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. In other words, that just told us that the devil is going to be able to deceive multitudes of people. Did you see that? Now, the question is, why is he going to be able to deceive multitudes of people? He's been locked away for a thousand years. And during that thousand year time, just think about that. The devil locked away for a thousand years. The thousand years ends. He's released. He goes out to deceive and he deceives multitudes. I wonder why those people were able to be deceived. Let me show you. What did you say? And let me show you why they don't know the Bible. Go to Zechariah fourteen sixteen. During that time, you and I, born again believers, will have our resurrected bodies at that time. We'll be serving with Jesus. He'll be reigning out of Jerusalem. We'll be serving with him as his overseers and, and whatnot, based on our faithful, faithfulness now. Faithful over a little, he might make you ruler over ten cities. So on. It's very clear in his parables. So we'll be reigning and ruling with him. But there'll be natural people on the earth during that time. And I wonder how come they're going to be able to be deceived. Well, let me show you. Zechariah fourteen sixteen. Look at this. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which, which came against Jerusalem. That's talking about the battle of Armageddon. Shall go up from year to year. So this is talking about the millennium. They're going to go up from year to year, where? To Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord, Jesus of hosts. That's who it's talking about. And to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Look at verse 17. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth. What's, what does it say there? Do what? Do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them. There'll be no rain. Well, that's one of the things that's going to cost them. But guess what? They didn't go up year by year to worship the Lord. And because they didn't go up year by year to worship the Lord, guess what? They were in a position to be deceived. God will never make anybody worship him. Do you understand that? The devil would love to make you worship him. He can't do that. But God will never make anybody worship him. And during that thousand years... They're free to come. God would love for them to come, but he doesn't make them come. Certainly there's no rain. That's a terrible thing that happens. They don't get rain. But guess what else they don't? Guess what else happens? They're going to be deceived by the devil when he's released. How does that apply to you today? It's very clear. You have an opportunity to come to church every week, don't you? Do you have to come? Absolutely not. Do you have to study the word of God? Absolutely not. Do you have to worship the Lord? No. But if you make the decision to not come to church and not study the word of God and not worship the Lord, and since you're not, you're not coming and hearing the word of God, you're not studying the word, you're not going to know the word, and so guess what? The devil is going to be able to deceive you. That's, that, ha- that happens now in the time in which we live. People don't have to come to church. I'll say it again. You don't have to come to church. You should. You need to. God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But you don't have to. God's not making you. You don't have to study the word. You should. 
But see, if, 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 you, if you don't do that, then you don't know the Word of God. And there's something about being around the atmosphere of, of fellow believers, of like faith and worshiping God, and it's just a good thing to do. But if you separate yourself from that, you're going to set yourself up to be what? To be deceived. And multitudes will be deceived. Oh, dear friends, keep coming to church. Keep staying in the Word of God. Keep studying the Word of God. Don't just be a reader of the Word, but be a studier of the Word. Now, how many of you know you can get a certain blessing by reading the Word of God, but you get the true blessings when you study the Word of God? Yeah, the best example I ever heard is, uh, you know, those back in the gold rush, back in the 1800s or whatever, the gold rush, you know. How many remembers that study in that history? And you could go out panning for gold just on the surface, and you might come across some gold. That, that's good, but you didn't. If you want to hit the, the main, you'd have to what? You'd have to realize, say, dig, dig. You have to dig deep. And that's... That's uh, that's the kind of church we are, you know. I teach milk. I teach meat. You know, I'll give you a banana split now and then. Because, you see, a pastor is like a dietitian, And there's people sitting out here of all different maturity levels spiritually. And you have some baby Christians, some mature Christians. So I have to teach some milk messages, teach some meat messages, you know. And so if you're a mature Christian, don't get aggravated when I'm te- teaching m- milk. And how many of you, a good glass of milk every once in a while is, is kind of nice. I'll give you a little self-quiz, a little self-test. You don't have to answer, but you can, you can base yourself to see if you are a baby Christian or if you've matured any. See if you can state the six foundational doctrines of Christ found in the book of Hebrews. Can you do that in your head? Just take a moment and see if you can do that. Foundational, elementary. If you can, praise God. If you can't, you need to start digging, start growing. Foundational doctrines. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. Doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. Now, if you can't list those six, I'm not putting you down. I'm just telling you, you need to do a little digging. You need to do a little growing. Because that's foundational. That's elementary. The Spirit of God said to me some years ago, he said, he said this, talking about his people, he said this into my heart, spoke into my heart. He said they're calling, let me get it how he said it. He said they're calling milk, meat. Say repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, resurrection of the dead, laying on of hands, eternal judgment. See, that's milk. That's elementary. And when you start calling that meat, you've got a problem. That's not meat. That's milk. Now, I'm not being judgmental here, but in so many pulpits in this land, if those things are taught, people are going to say, wow, that's, that's deep, man, that's deep, that's way over, whoo, that's way over my, that's Hebrews 6, isn't it? Is that Hebrews 6? No, you don't got anything else to do. Where's Hebrews 6, 6 verse 1? Where's it at? Can we get that up there? 
I know Ed, he's real quick on the money. Let's go to Hebrews 6 verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the what? Let us go on to maturity, perfection, maturity. Not laying again the foundation of what? Faith toward God. Next verse, please. The doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Dear friends, that's milk. But when you call milk meat, now you know as well as I do, if you know anything about church, what's going on in churches, that would be considered deep, deep, deep. That's elementary. That's, that's, that's the Gerber's baby. You know what I mean? So, so I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just trying to say, guys, we need to know the word of God or what's going to happen. We're going to be deceived. So I'm not trying to put you down. If you couldn't list them, don't feel badly. Just start digging. Let's get in there and study. And let's, let's get on up and mature it. Can you say amen? Is that okay? All right. Well, did you get anything out of this today? Let, let me give you two more verses real quick. We'll let you go. Romans 16, verse 17. New Living Translation. I did skip one scripture there, Ed. But that's okay for the sake of time. I need to let people out of here. Romans 16, verse 17, New Living Translation. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Next verse. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests by smooth talk and glowing words. They what? Deceive innocent people. Watch out for preachers that are smooth talk, glowing words all the time. Be watchful. They deceive innocent people. And the last thing, I just felt impressed of the Spirit to put this up because of the time in which we live. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Let's go there. Then we'll close. And, and, and I wasn't going to put this in, but the Spirit of God told me to, so we'll put this in. I need to do it, because He told me to do it. Do, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not... Do not what? Be deceived. So who's not going to inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous. Do not be deceived. Neither... What's that next word? That would mean having sex with somebody you're not married to. Is that right? Uh. Idolaters. That would be somebody that puts something up ahead of God. Hmm. Nor. That means you're married. A man's married to Susie, but he's having sex with with Mary. That's no good, is it? Nor, now you know as well as I do that homosexuality has been accepted in this land by the mainstream. Is that right? And if if you read a scripture like that, they're going to call you a homophobe. Is that right? Is that right? And I'll tell you by the Spirit of God, make no apology for it. And I'm going to say more about this the week after, not, not next week because we've got to end but the following week I'm going to talk about this. But if we don't get 
conservative judges. This next election, dear friends, is about the judges. And if we don't get conservative judges, there'll come a time where I'll stand here and read that verse and there'll be people standing at that door with badges on to lock me up and put me in prison for reading that verse. Did you hear what I just said? Remember, if this nation fails, the fault lay at the, at the doorstep of the church of God. We've got to go out there and vote. I never tell you how to vote, but you need to find out what the Republicans believe. You need to find out what the Democrats believe. You need to line it up with the Word of God and then vote whichever one lines up closest to the Word of God. Did you hear what I just said? And I tell you what, this next election, I believe, is about the judges. And if we don't get conservative judges on that bench, I'm telling you what, there'll come a time when I read that right there, and there'll be, there'll be people back there with guns and holsters and, and badges on that'll, if I read that, they'll take me to prison. But you know what? I'm going to read it anyway, and we'll just get people saved in jail. Can you say amen? Let God be true and every man a liar. Be not, what does it say? Do not be what? Do not be what? Deceived. Deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites. I'm, you look that up for yourself. That, it just, next verse, please. Nor thieves, nor covetous. See, now a lot of times these don't get included in the list. Thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, why did he say be not, hold that right there. Why did he say be not deceived? Because there's going to come a time where people's going to tell you that those things are okay. That you can do those things and go to heaven. It's no big deal. But how many of you know you can't do those things? Don't be what? Deceived. And then let's close on a positive note. Let's go to verse 11. Verse 11. And such were some of you. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, let's stand. Praise God. Stand with me. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. I trust you got something out of this today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to receive Jesus, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, do that before you leave today. You just walk up here to the front when I dismiss the service and just tell these nice people that you want to be introduced to Jesus. And they'll, uh, they'll pray with you. And he'll come into your heart in a moment's time. Forgive you of all your sins. Actually, your sins have been forgiven. All you got to do is come and receive, receive that. He'll forgive you. You get born again. Miss hell, make heaven. He'll make your life worth living. Or if you have another prayer need or some need in your life that we can be of assistance.